Voice Originals. Welcome back to our fifth episode of the Voice Originals podcast. I'm Anna, the community manager for Sensible Object, who are the makers of the different Voice Originals games. And on this podcast, we're looking behind the scenes at the processes that go into making all of the different Voice Originals games. And this week, we're looking at When in Rome. So if you haven't heard about When in Rome before, um, I recommend starting from the first podcast, but also... Uh, if you just want to jump in with this one, When in Rome is a travel trivia board game that works with your smart speaker. So you're playing in teams to race around the world, answer different questions that are told to you by locals, collect souvenirs, maybe trash talk your opponents using smart speaker cards, and much, much more. So a really big thing that is part of this game are the locals that provide you with all the questions. This isn't like other trivia games that you might have played where it's simply a case of picking up a card and reading the text. You actually have locals from 20 different cities around the world that are telling you about their city and giving you different kinds of nuggets of information and questions throughout the game. Um, And that's what we feel really kind of brings the game to life and makes you feel a connection with these cities that you're traveling between. So if you listen to our previous podcast, We had Manisha, our local from London, on before, and I'm really excited that today we've got another one of our locals with us. So we have Daniela from Lima, and we also have Shane, who you might have heard on a couple of our other podcast episodes as well, who is one of our dialogue directors who's been working really closely with Daniela on all of our Lima questions. So Daniela and Shane, thank you for joining me. Um, Could you tell me a little bit about what you've been doing on the project? Yeah, sure. Um, first, I was approached with a series of tentative questions about Lima. And then I engaged in a conversation about uh, how to like fine-tune them mm-hmm. and make them more relevant and well, also fact-check them and come up with, you know, perhaps like more accurate, fresher, more relevant, more contemporary questions as well about different points of interest around Lima. What did you find? Did you find? How did you find the original questions? Um, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was really interesting to see, um, like this, a little bit um, distant approach first, like what people think in a, in a first instance that might be relevant or interesting about Lima, and then to engage in like a dialogue about that. And I also was like kind of surprised about some of the uh, questions, especially about language and facts that uh, that felt like a little bit data. I felt, oh, that's something my dad would say, <laughs> that, but it's definitely something like I wouldn't say. So it was just interesting to see, you know, where it was coming from. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I guess like a lot of the writing was done with the research tools that we had available, which was like a guidebook or um, like whatever facts we could find on the internet. But it's it's never going to really match what it's like if you've actually lived there, if you were raised there, etc. So yeah, we've definitely been really grateful that all of our locals have, like you have had input on how, you know, all the questions actually get edited and come together so that it feels a little bit more true to maybe hopefully what the city is like now. Yeah, and of course that makes it feel like much easier to you know, like be a guide if I feel like I have some sort of imprint into Mm. like what I'm guiding people to. So that makes a big difference. It was really great to the fact that you are a poet for a living. Oh, (laughs) for a living is like... um, (laughs) I write poetry in my life, yeah. (laughs) 
So you definitely brought that flavour to to uh, speaking about Lima. You were able to speak about it in a way which, in effect, was was very poetic. So you you, you coloured it with your local flavour. Well, thanks for saying that because I feel like. Um, it's almost like a joke, like Lima is full of like melancholy poets. So I think, okay, I do like a fair representation of being uh, a poet from Lima. What yeah. sort of poetry do you write? Um, you know, I actually just um, finished a book of poetry. Oh, wow. And it actually speaks about my migration. Like mm. it's, it's a book that speaks about writing in English, feeling like a certain discomfort and resentment about like what what it means to like adopt a language and how mm -hmm. that feels and it's also like a very nostalgic book speaking about missing Lima and kind of feeling a little bit displaced from it yeah I mean how just in terms of like rough background did you uh, live majority of your life in Lima and move later on yeah I lived until like my early 20s in Lima and I I worked as a journalist there I studied media and I worked as a journalist and then I migrated. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were, we were discussing the other day just like how, what does it mean to feel local and feel at home in a place? Because, um, you know, being born somewhere and raised somewhere, but then also moving and living in other places, um, it kind of, I guess, like maybe confuses for some people, at least for me, I've found like, where you might identify as home and like how much authority do you have to say like, yes, I'm from this place. So like I can say like, I feel like a local to this place. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to read the poetry that you've, you've written because it sounds like it would, I think it would resonate with a lot of people and it sounds really fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's interesting how you bring it up. Because um, yeah, I haven't lived in Lima, but I definitely like beyond feeling that I am from Peru or I'm mm -hmm. South American, like I feel that I am actually from Lima as a city. And and when I experience like a sense of belonging or even like <clears throat> a sense of ease with speaking Spanish is a sense of ease with speaking Spanish from Lima with all the slang and like the mm. really quick fast pace and like someone's going to get me. I don't have to like tone my Spanish so that it's understandable as like Spanish I can just go like speak Limeño yeah. <laughs> so that's like where I feel the most comfortable with language I'm thinking back to when in Rome as much as there's this wonderful game where you can move around the, 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 the world and experience all these different cultures something that actually wasn't ever going to get mentioned in that game is something that I think is more common to the feeling, uh, uh, to, to what's happened as people move around the globe. For example, all three of us were born in, uh, uh, or, or have relationships to a different kind of place, is this strange notion of displacement and this strange notion of how the impact of migration affect, affects us individually and this kind of notion of belonging and where we belong to. That's something which, I guess, in a remix of When in Rome, I'd love to look at, at, at how this feeling of identity plays a part in the notion of creating a, a global identity. The way I see it with this is like, well, trying to provide like an invitation to, well, this is my experience as a local. This is the stuff that I'm into. And then I'm inviting you 
like I'm bridging that towards someone else rather than like saying this is the authentic experience mm. of Lima because there's like millions of That's authentic point, experiences yeah. of, of Lima and um, you know a total outsider's experience of Lima will be as authentic to them mm. so yeah yeah I mean I was going to ask like how did it feel to be sort of like the representative for your city like in the game yeah um I mean, I hope I've done it justice. It feels um, it feels like a big responsibility as well. It's like, well, I just, yeah. I mean, I, I'm still kind of sorting through. Well, how does that feel? I think I, I haven't really had a lot of, or I've decided not to like be burdened by like feelings of responsibility and just go like, okay, let's just enjoy this and just keep it as like, well, how can I, how, how what is the bridging that I would do towards my city yeah. and like that's. That's what I have to focus on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do I do like wonder how other people from Lima might feel about what, what's come up. I guess it sort of ties in with what you were saying about like there's no one true authentic experience. It's just everyone has their own experience of a place. And, you know, as long as you feel like what you're saying is true to what you feel, then um, that's that's the best anyone could, could ever ask for. And that, I think that's what we want to capture in the game, at least in the sense of locals telling you about the city in the way that they see the city, so seeing the city through their eyes as much as possible. It is also interesting for me just because I've listened to the dialogue that you've recorded before in the game, but I haven't actually met you face-to-face until now, of course. So it's kind of interesting having this reverse of, I guess normally it's putting the face to the name or whatever, but this time it's like putting the voice to the face and the person behind it and stuff so yeah this is well I appreciate that it just feels a bit nicer (laughs) yeah definitely no it is it's cool to to meet the people behind the game um and yeah I'm hoping that you know the voices in the game uh such as yours will provide a snippet to people of I don't know not just the culture of the place they're going to but also a bit of the locals' personality, like your personality, Manisha's personality, Josh's personality in Auckland, etc. Yeah. How does it feel for you to meet and, and have a conversation with Daniela after hearing her voice in the game? It's kind of, it's weird because, um, like, it's it's sort of like when you're reading a book and you have a picture of the character in your head based on what you've read, and then there'll be an adaptation or something, and you'll see and you'll be like, oh, this is different to what I, I had in my mind. But then once you've seen it, you, you can't really picture it any other way. Yeah. So when I was hearing your voice in the game, um, um, but yeah, like you have such like a like really warm and engaging voice. And I was just like, wow, like, I wonder what, like, you know, like, Daniel is like in person. And to be honest, like, it kind of matches up. Um, but still, like, at the same time, the voice was sort of disembodied in my head. Like, I had, like, personality traits attached to it and stuff. But I didn't really know, you know, what you would look like, what it would be like in person. So it sort of feels expected but unexpected when at I, the same time. When I found out you were a serial killer, <laughs> it really confused me because you don't sound like one at all. <laughs> I'm a serial killer in my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all of the locals really, I feel like whatever I have in my head of them based on the voice, I have no idea what it'd be like if I actually met them in person. It'd be, yeah, like at least slightly different in person, I'm sure. 
It's kind of been different for you, Shane, right? Because you've always seen the locals as you're recording because you guys are working together. Because there were two, there were two dialogue directors, there were times where we, I'd heard voices before I met the people. And, that, and so... I, I, oh, right, yeah. I, I've, had, I've had that experience mm. too. Discombobulating. Yeah. Now you've spent so much time with each of the locals, does it just feel sort of natural? Like when you hear the... If you hear the dialogue in the game, can you picture like clearly in your head like oh yeah this is like very much associated with the person i've been directing with oh uh, yeah for sure I, that, I i guess for the people that i've been recording i because i know them and know what they look like and have had a relationship with them it's different for but, but when i hear people in the game who i i haven't recorded uh, that i have the same discombobulating experience there is there is an instant picture that builds up in my head that might completely mismatch to who they actually are hmm. yeah I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how we would ever get this, but it'd be really interesting to see how different people that play the game imagine all of the locals. And yeah, I, I don't think that's the thing that we'd actually be able to ever gather knowledge of. But it would just be fascinating to know. We should get them to draw them. We should get, <laughs> oh, wow. get yeah. players of the send game in, to <laughs> send draw, in your pictures. draw pictures of locals as part part of the game. That would be really interesting. Yeah, and then they should be able to see sort of afterwards, like, oh, like this is what the local actually look like and maybe it would challenge people's perceptions of what they assume about people from from different cities around the world. I was also going to ask though, were there any particular challenges or things that you found rewarding that you weren't expecting on either end when it came to recording all of the dialogue for When in Rome? Um, I think I was a bit nervous and shy at the beginning and I was quite rewarded to like find out that it was really easy for me to do it. It was kind of like, oh, actually, I... I not, not to mean like, oh, I enjoy the sound of my own voice, but I'm like, oh, I actually do enjoy, like, I find it playful and I find it creative. And... Yeah, I, I think it brings out, like, a different way of thinking about um, communicating to someone. It's like, oh, I could say this in this way or I could say this in this other way, and it brings up something different and maybe I hadn't had the experience or the time to like think about that and and it will definitely inform like other things I do because I do work with my voice and I read poetry and I do performances so I think and even though I do have like a a, a real awareness of how I communicate things I think I tend to be quite like okay I'm going for this but this process of like why don't you say it like this, you know? Or how about if you put the emphasis here? I'm like, oh, okay. I, I'm going to take a lot away from that, just for myself. Were you comfortable with the... Pro, were there times where you found yourself improvising and you were able to, I guess, go, go off script? I found myself increasingly more comfortable. I think at the beginning it was like a little bit, oh, oh, you know, just experiencing... Um, some blanks around that but the more you do it the easier it comes and also I, like, it takes a little bit of time to get familiar with the format and Alexa's kind of my impression of this little improvising bits with Alexa's like okay I know now I know what Alexa even before listening to Alexa like I can get a sense of Alexa's personality and tone so I can incorporate that and improvise with her 
um, but it's taken a little time to build up that relationship. That's interesting, that time that it takes to build up any relationship and the degree of intimacy that you're able to explore in the early part of a relationship. We had a limited amount of time here, so mm-hmm. we haven't got that much amount of contact time with you. So I think for me, the, the idea was to just try and cre- create a level of intimacy as early on mm. as we could because that's what we're going to be capturing and that's what we want from people in the game. We want them to feel, uh, even though they're, they're new to the game, they're new tourists in a city, we want them to immediately feel like they know the person that they're talking mm. to. Yeah, I mean, I fully agree basically with what both of you guys have been saying. Um, and when we've listened to the dialogue, there is a lovely sort of feeling of, oh, okay, like this person feels really welcoming and like, you know makes me feel like I really want to go to that city. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you, you guys have done a good job <laughs> with, with the time and constraints that you have. Um, were there any particular questions or facts that you added in or that you learned about, which you were like, oh, I didn't know about that before? Yeah, we added in some um, non... Uh, football or soccer centered sports mm-hmm. questions yeah. <laughs> and I was a little bit adamant in like uh, like featuring female athletes and because I think uh, there's some great female athletes coming from Lima and I was just really happy to like be able to include them and communicate that beyond like oh South America football oh, you know soccer so, that that yeah. category was so hard that, uh, to, to, to write questions for. Really on in the process mm-hmm. when, when we were brought on board, we had to kind of make these decisions of, of, of which categories would be included. Mm-hmm. And sports and games is one that, and unfortunately none, none of the writing team, I think, are, are that uh, enamoured with, with sports, sports and yeah. sports. So <laughs> it was pretty difficult to write into a category that we to be honest, didn't have that much interest in. Yeah, I guess, like, I mean, the, all the traditional categories you get in trivia games, it feels like sports and games is one that just sort of, like, comes up. So maybe there's a bit of an expectation of, oh, is there a sports and games category about a place you visit? Like, what are the things you'd learn about a place? You learn about the food, the language. Oh, like, maybe some of the cult, like, the culture. And, oh, yeah, like, what kind of sports and, and games and stuff do they have there? But there was definitely a thing of, when yeah, the writing team um, sat down to write these sports and games questions, we were like, "Hmm, where <laughs> where do we source these like really great sports and games questions?" Especially if you're not big on sports and games, which was kind of the case. So yeah, thank you for <laughs> for helping fill in some of those gaps for us there. I didn't know about Peruvian athletes. Well, there's a lot of surfing, as I was telling you um, before. So. Surf is a big sport, not in the whole of Peru, but it's definitely like a big thing in Lima. And there's uh, a lot of surfing competitions and like um, world-class surfing going on there. So that's a big thing. Even Um, though the water is so cold. Yeah, it's not super, super cold, but yeah, even though the water is cold, surfing is great because the, the waves are great. Have you been surfing? Yeah, I really like bodyboarding. I'm not, you know, like I don't get up on a on a surfboard, but I've been bodyboarding since I was four, maybe. And I really, I really enjoy it. That's yeah. cool. Is that like this is this is how um, ignorant I am about the world of surfing? Is that essentially what you're you're lying on the board? Yeah. So. <clears throat> 
You can do it without a board as well. So it's like, we call it pechito, like you surf on your chest. Oh. So you just like kind of let the wave push you out like from your chest. But um, you have like a body board, which is like a small light board that you can just like lie on. And oh, then you can okay. just move along the wave with it and oh, like steer that's it. That's so a cool. Bit. Yeah. Okay. I want to do that one day. That sounds so fun. I mean, yeah. is there like a limit to like the size of the wave you can you can go for with that sort of thing? I think that's up to you, the limit. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I've got a really hairy chest. So with the chest surfing, what I would do is kind of mat some kind of boat out of my chest hair. There's some kind of weird rubber buffer to give me a little bit more kind of um, flexibility in the water. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would recommend to people aside from uh, bodyboarding? If bodyboarding was that the right word? Yeah, bodyboarding, surfing. Yeah, if they go to Lima. Um, what in terms of sports do you mean? In, in terms of like activities? Really. Yeah, sports included. Mm. Yeah, I would also say Lima as a, Lima is the city, which is busy and there's lots to do and see, but also like the south of Lima, like has like on the Pacific coast has lots of like awesome beaches. So if you're there in summer, I would definitely recommend people not just going down to the beaches just down below, but like going a little bit further out and seeing what that's like um, and maybe spending a little bit of time in those areas just just north of Lima, just south of Lima and just like further out of Lima um, if people need a bit of respite from like the like busy urban environment. How do, how do people get around in Lima? Is it is it a car driven oh, city? Oh gosh, or? the traffic. <laughs> Most people are driving. Yeah, there's a lot of people driving and there's a lot of, um, so public transport um, is sort of informal. So there's a lot of like informal public transport ventures going on so uh companies that have like a network of combis so little vans that that go around certain routes and i just think lima is a city that has has grown really really quickly uh, and carries on growing so there's a lot of people trying to get from uh, like the north to the south the east to the west a rush hour and the the infrastructure hasn't caught up so traffic is is intense it's, it's, we just googled it i think it's 10 million people living there yeah man okay. that's a lot yeah, of people that's a lot of people yeah yeah so, I mean, it's the biggest city in, in Peru, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of people, potentially with a lot of cars. <laughs> yeah, but it's like an adventure sport getting around. <laughs> it's. I think in pretty much every, we've, we've chosen these cities and I don't think there has been a single local from any of the cities that hasn't cited traffic as mm. a major thing to, to get around. Yeah. Like, this must be like the bane of, of all cities once they hit a certain population. I have to keep in mind bodyboarding and maybe going a little bit further out to explore like beaches in the north and south mm. for Lima in the future. Cool. Well, thank you, Shane and Daniela, for chatting with me today. Um, and thank you, everybody who happens to be listening. If you're interested to find out more about Voice Originals or When in Rome, you can go to voiceoriginals.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the same handles, Voice Originals. 
When in Rome's free daily skill launches on June 18th, but you can buy the full copy on Amazon.com from the 2nd of July. Shane and Daniela, is there anything else you want to add finally before we wrap up? It's been a pleasure to work with you and to listen to your beautiful voice. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Shane. Um, It's been really, really fun to do this. And, um, yeah, um, I, I take a lot out of it. I think it's nice to be able to think about your city in a different way like what what could be exciting for someone else and that's been a, a fun process amazing thank you guys voice, voice originals <laughs>